you are listening to Deeply Curious. My name is Cody Jensen, and joining me in our New York City studio apartment is Sarah Jensen, my wife. Hello. Today, the day that this comes out, this podcast drops, yeah. is March 12th. Mm-hmm. And my birthday was yesterday. Happy birthday. Why, thank you. <laughs> but it's not just any birthday. Yeah. It is a, a decade marker birthday. It's a big one. Um, if you have only seen me, you're probably assuming that this is my 20th birthday. <laughs> if you've only heard all of my wisdom, then you're probably assuming this is my 40th birthday. Right. But in actuality, split the difference, it's my 30th birthday. Yeah. Turning 30. I know, it's a little weird. Yeah. Um, I feel like now, because I'm 29 now, and you're 30 now, <laughs> and... I feel like I'm the same as when, like, we're the same as when we were, like, 18 when we got married, you know? It it does tend to feel that way. But then actually reflecting back, I'm like, wow, we are way I'm also different. really glad that I'm not, though. Yes. You know what I mean? I, my early 20s, I, like, dreaded mm-hmm. getting to my late 20s and, like, almost 30 and then 30 or whatever. And now that we're here, I'm like, wow, I feel so good about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so happy I'm not young 20s anymore. <laughs> Yeah, the only thing like for me is I did a, I don't know, I feel like I did a lot in my 20s. Um, yeah. And like whenever I was 24 and around there, I was like starting businesses and I was mm-hmm. like doing all this stuff. And I would look at other 30 year olds and I'd be like, they're so behind. Mm-hmm. What are they doing? They're 30. Mm-hmm. Get your life together. And now I'm 30 and I'm kind of like, I think I'm at the same spot that all those people were. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair. Is the curse of knowledge. It's your own life, yeah. right? So you feel like you're maybe a little bored or boring or whatever. Mm-hmm. But also, I mean, you have been living in New York for two years. You know what I mean? Like you haven't just because because we haven't started like a new business or done any of these like crazy ventures that we did when we were in our young 20s. But like, I mean, we did up and move for no apparent reason. And, you know, have been doing what we're doing. So it's not like you're behind. Yeah. It's just different. That's all. Yeah. So in this episode, what uh, we decided to do is uh, I'm turning 30. So I just spent. Oh, man. Yeah. I spent the last uh, hours, uh, last hour or so. And I wrote down 30 things that I've learned in my 30 years. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. and it was just a stream of consciousness, just all the things, just things that I've learned. I've learned way more than what I wrote down. And we may not even be able to get through everything that I wrote down. Um, but I did write down. Some Body <laughs> once told me the world was going to rule me. I was going to say some life lesson insights and then some just regular stuff. Or are they all pretty deep? Uh, I would say they are all moderately deep. Oh, Okay. Well, we'll see we'll what see. we can do. But before we jump into that conversation, just want to let you know that this podcast is produced by the members over at JensenAV.club. That is our Patreon. And we have a couple new um, crew members to hey. shout out. We have Alexei Sheremetov. If I butchered your name, uh, send me a message and <laughs> give me a phonetic English pronunciation of your we'll name. But, correct it. but welcome to the crew. Um, also, Rodney McDaniel. I'm pretty sure I did not butcher your name. Uh, thank you so much for joining joining uh, the AV Club as a crew member. Uh, a new staff member, we have Tom. Thank you, Tom. Hey, Tom. And then a brand new associate producer, Maddie Lane. Hey. Thanks so much, Maddie Lane, for joining the Jensen AV Club. And then, of course, this podcast is produced by Christian B. Schmidt. Thank you to all. Yes, and if you don't know Thanks what the Jensen AV Club is, the Jensen AV Club is our Patreon page. It is our premium membership club. It gives you um, deeper access and exclusive content, um, just more things and more perks. Um, and also, yeah. I would say even more than all that, those are bonuses on top of what is actually happening mm-hmm. is that you are supporting us as artists mm-hmm. and supporting the art that you love. Um, and helping craft the podcast as well. Yes. In in 
various ways. <laughs> right. Um, and so if, if you want to be um, a part of, of supporting um, what we are doing and supporting the uh, art that you love, head over to JensenAV.club and you can check out all of the tiers of things that you can, um, uh, perks that you yeah. can have um, as being a part of the Jensen AV Club. So just a huge thank you to all of the Jensen AV Club members for making our art possible. Yes. Okay. What have you learned? Well, what have I learned? Yeah. Let me tell you. I have one year to put all of these into practice, so <laughs> I need you to help me out. <laughs> one year left in your 20s. One year. Also, speaking of, you're actually in your 30th year. I know. Isn't that crazy? Uh, yeah, it is. Let's not talk about it. <laughs> um, so number one on the list is people are all that matters. Yes, I feel like we've been talking about this in various forms. Yeah. A lot over the last several months as we have been, uh, well, just missing community and like our friends and stuff. Yeah, I think that New York, we've always known that. I think that I've yeah. been on a journey from 20 to 30, especially, of learning what people actually mean and what um, relationships mean to me and mm -hmm. like how much I value that in my life. Um, and then also the uh, really learning that people make the place totally um and that is something that i i think that that, that, that that's something that i knew or like it's yeah. like philosophically i knew like definitely people make the place right it doesn't but, matter where you live as long as the people right it's like but also i kind of don't like where i live so let me just move Let's just go though. and we'll try it out <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then as we like you know live in a place live away from like people who like we and live in a place that well i love and have always loved mm -hmm. i always wanted to come here and i mean you yeah. love as well but like living here for long enough and it and it seemingly being a city that offers everything right and then learning that it's not true because like our your people aren't here yeah. you know you can't really ignore the lesson at that point mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah it's like a, a place that offers absolutely everything means nothing if you don't have what you need. Like if you don't yeah. have everything, like if you and every by everything to me would be people and like, I mean, that would be like one of the main things. Yeah, that's pretty um, much it. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we've uh, had lots of discussions on people mattering. I, I have a whole show about that, I think. Um, oh. we definitely had a long conversation about people make the place. Yeah. Um, I, I learned that the first time I learned that was in Tulsa when I, I hated Tulsa for hate is maybe a strong word, but I hated being in Tulsa for a really long time until I found friends and decided like, Oh, Tulsa's not so bad. Cause my friends are here, mm -hmm. but I still thought that a city could, you know, save you. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, I mean, my friends are here. That's great. But like, let's, you know, jet off to New York and then it'll be that's where we're supposed to be, you know. Mm -hmm. So I like learned it in the kind of the opposite way now. Yeah. Because like people made Tulsa bearable and people not having people has made New York difficult, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, number one, people are all that matters. Number two, I just wrote mercy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Have you learned this, though? <laughs> I, I th well, I would say I've learned slash always learning mercy. Yeah, I feel like you're, that's going to be your thing for the rest of your life. You know, like we all have that one thing that we never actually like learn. It's like a continual learn, mm -hmm. a continual, oh, Crap, I messed up again. <laughs> yeah. So a uh, quick story behind this is that um, previously to living in New York City, I worked in a local church for eight years as a creative director. And I was um, and part of being on staff at a church, hopefully, is that you were also, uh, you know, growing spiritually, right. growing as a leader. Character. Growing, yeah. In your that. character. Um, all that type of stuff. And so um, that's what 
you know, we were doing and we were on, you know, a journey of certain things. And we took this thing called the spiritual gifts test and the spiritual gifts test. You basically, it's kind of like the Myers-Briggs or something. It's like a personality test that tells you. Yeah. It's not really a personality test, but it it just, there are certain like spiritual gifts as you know, laid out by, I I don't know, the Bible and whoever. I mean, like Um, administration is a spiritual, it's not just like. What yeah, I mean, it's, it's all anyways, it's all based on scripture, but they come out with all these things that are um, yeah. spiritual giftings. And we take this test of, of like what where we lie in different uh, spiritual giftings. Um, and, you know, I I think there's 20 things or something, something. I don't yeah. know. It, it doesn't really matter. The point of the story is there's that several there are uh, over a dozen. I think there's probably close to 20 and you score from like a, a zero to I don't know. A hundred, we'll just Whatever say. it is. I mean, it's zero to 10, zero to hundred. It really doesn't matter because very, very, very bottom of the list <laughs> with a score of zero mercy. I just want to say whenever I learned this, whenever this happened to you, I felt so vindicated. I felt like finally there is proof on paper and he can't deny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's how I felt. Yeah, and this was around... 24 25 somewhere around there yeah um which is a pivotal part of i think everybody's life Mm -hmm. um but especially i i think for me this is one of the moments in my life that i um gained a vital piece of self-awareness totally yeah um and you know whenever it first happened you know i was kind of proud of it and like people on staff they would call me no mercy yeah um, like hashtag Hashtag no mercy um (laughs) it was a joke and it was kind of like a joke which it still is i mean it's funny yeah i mean it's a funny thing but and i you know took it with was in stride like it was pride even and it's like yeah it's like haha no mercy um (laughs) but then as i continued to process that and continue to grow as a person and started to think about okay the reasons there's even these spiritual giftings and the reason that this is even a thing is because these are qualities that we should want right to They're have all positive and if i um as a christian as somebody who is striving to become a a person you know that looks more like jesus than doesn't right. um mercy is <laughs> a vital a character trait right of of the person you know of jesus and so it was the basically it took me on a journey from being like ha hashtag no mercy to i think i need to start praying for mercy and that i mm-hmm. need to start looking and striving and and figuring out what does mercy even mean in my life how can i treat others with mercy and give others mercy in the same way that i am given mercy through you know people and you know right um god and so basically for a few years went on a journey of that happening and the very um very uh, cool and encouraging thing to me mm-hmm. is that after moving to new york the church that we came to here i was have had many different meetings with with the pastor and one of the things that the pastor told me in in just conversation he just said i i love um just how um like empathetic and like Mm -hmm. how much mercy you have like in in certain you know i don't remember the exact words but he gave this like you know thing to me of like encouragement to me Mm -hmm. of like being somebody of you know mercy and empathy right it was very encouraging to know that i had at least began that journey right because those um when people around you people that see you every day it's hard to be like they knew they knew me from my past they knew that i was hashtag no mercy right and then it's like it would take a really big like thing to happen for them to realize oh wow Mm -hmm. but he's really changed but Mm -hmm. somebody who has never known me in the past they see me as i am now and they're like wow this person has this quality that i'm that i want to encourage in them because it is so good right and it's like that to me was like a a sign of growth a sign of change and something that i'm uh you know i don't know i guess just that's why it makes it on on the list of like things i've learned totally i mean it is true you have gotten um 
not softer because you're not soft, but like. I will, yeah, I want to. I don't think anybody would classify me as soft, but I think that I am softer. Yeah, but I. Yeah. Yes, but it is hard for me to like, you know, recognize that. Me personally. Yeah. I mean, you've known me since I was a fetus, so. Yeah. I also think you're just kind of mean to me sometimes, so. (laughs) (laughs) I mean. We've been married for a long time, and yep. there's no point in denying I'm it. I'm just saying it's hard for me to say, like, oh, yes, you've learned mercy. But I know, logically, like, looking at, you know, young 20s, late 20s, it's obvious. Yeah. But, yeah. Number three is wisdom is knowing how much you don't know. Mm-hmm is something that I, I learned um, probably around the same time. I feel like when you turn 25, 26, whatever, it's just like a light bulb. You're mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, I know nothing. Yeah, and it's And so then true. that makes you so much smarter. Yeah, <laughs> I think that probably for all, but I think f- from my experience, and, and I think especially for men, mm-hmm. in our uh, 18 to 25, we just go through that phase of, know it all like mm-hmm. know everything like you i mean whatever it is like yeah, we're you we, know just it. like we know it we, we know it better than you for sure mm-hmm. um and well and i can also just speak for myself that's exactly how i was <laughs> and um <laughs> i think that and i didn't know it i didn't know that that's the way i was acting i didn't know that i thought i knew everything like i wasn't aware right. of that it was just that I felt like I knew everything mm-hmm. in it, but it wasn't like, oh yeah, I'm definitely a, it wasn't like a, a self-awareness. It was just, you just, were. I really felt like I knew everything <laughs> and everything yeah. may be a stretch, but I, I right. feel like I knew a lot. I mean, you definitely approached everything as if you had the solution and nothing else worked. Yeah. You and, know what unless I, mean? I heard a better solution. Yeah. Yeah. But even hearing a better solution was almost impossible. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, you have to be smarter than me to come up with it. I see even, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm saying I know how, I mean, I'm not well, I'm, defending myself. I know how I was. I know. I'm just saying, I don't think it was like, you know it all. I think it was just, you th- really did think that you had the solution, mm-hmm. whatever that was. And there was like almost no talking you out of that solution. Yeah. Like even if, for example, even if I thought I had a better solution, you would exhaust me just arguing it. So I would just like give up, like whatever, just do whatever you want. Like, (laughs) because you just were so certain of whatever your solution was and that that it was like impossible to change your mind unless you put up like a real, you came up with a real good defense and like had a debate about it. And I just was not into that. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, I, I... I will say that that's still part of my personality. Yeah, but it's less harsh. Than yeah, it used but, it, to be, but it's not sure. like in in the same like arrogance of of like that, I guess that's yeah, what yeah, it'd yeah. be is like it was uh, all like wrapped up in arrogance. Oh yeah, I as guess well. So. But like now it would kind of be very similar that if I have the solution and you come up with a solution and I recognize it's better immediately, then I'm all for it. Yeah, you back if, down. If I don't really recognize that it is a better solution, um, but I'm and so I will challenge it. And then if you, you know, counter like and you, ch- right. you counter that and you co- and you say like, no, this is blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, OK. And like so I because it, the core of my personality is to be a challenger and I challenge right. the things so that they will be better. I want to like I don't want to I want to find it's it's a uh, um, character flaw. I don't what's mm-hmm. you know, there's that. I don't anyways. Um, Marcia. And so there is like the the vital flaw like mm-hmm. in whatever and I want to find it early so we don't waste our time. Totally, which is understandable, but I do think you have a, um more wisdom in knowing when to fight that and when to not. Yeah. And I think you can admit m- more quickly now. Yeah. What what is a better solution? Yeah. And I, so just and like never- you don't make people fight to the death anymore. It's just, you know, yeah. fight. well yeah and it's also just way less often like way i mean there's just like it it it, yeah i i recognize how much i don't know right and so that makes me 
basically a better person. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, wisdom is knowing how much you don't know. Yeah. That, Ultimately, yeah. that's what it is, is like you're the wiser you become, the more you realize that you don't know. Yeah. Even about things that you truly thought that you very much knew. Yeah. With the wiser you become, you realize I only know my perspective of that thing. Yes. And I think it's also the more you understand when to it's like picking your battles and when to speak out and when to stay silent and mm -hmm. all of that stuff. Like, you know, you you may feel like you have the right answer, but right isn't always wise. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like you've learned that as well. Like, you yeah. know, now more like, oh, I don't have to fight every battle to the death. It's just like the important ones, mm -hmm. you know. So moving on to number four, vulnerability is a strength, not a weakness. Yeah. I would I would say that that is something that I am continually learning um, and is something that I, I learned years ago to not be like scared of vulnerability and to seek out vulnerability because ultimately being vulnerable makes me a stronger person. Mm -hmm. um, but then it, even if you've listened to last week's episode, we even had a long conversation about what does it even mean to be vulnerable? And that's something that I'm still on a journey of learning. I ha and I don't know if I've necessarily learned yet of what it actually 100% means for me to be vulnerable. Right. But I do recognize that I, I not only uh, need it, but I want it. Mm -hmm. um, and to kind of uh, go a little bit deeper into what the conversation we had last week was we were talking about the what is the difference between transparency and vulnerability and we had a long conversation about that specific thing and one of our friends who listens to the show um, got a, a really good picture of a metaphor that um, gave me I guess a little bit of just a a deeper picture of, yeah, well, you can of put, maybe yeah. the difference between transparency and vulnerability. And I really like it, so I wanted to share it in that um, she said that um, bulletproof glass is transparent, but it is not vulnerable. Yeah, Nothing can actually get through it or penetrate it or actually access what is on the other side of the, of the bulletproof glass, even though it is fully transparent. Mm -hmm. versus something like a window or a door that can be opened and can be transparent, but also can be accessed to, mm -hmm. you can step through it, you can crawl through it, you can actually make it to the other side. Um, and that is a picture of, of vulnerability. vulnerability and what the difference would be between transparency and vulnerability. Yeah. And I think that is a great visual yes. of that. And something I'm still learning and I still don't know how, what window or door I need to create in right. order to fully step Yes, because you are very transparent. But yeah. I think vulnerability is a lot more difficult to pinpoint for you. Yes. Yeah. Um, number five, everything, everything I was taught is not true. Yeah, I feel like this is most of adulthood is unlearning the things that yeah. you learned when you were a kid, you know, like in most, I mean, in most circumstances, like, I mean, human beings aren't perfect. And so you learn like family patterns or whatever in the church, you learn things. Mm -hmm. And like, I feel like adulthood is unlearning all of those things yeah. <laughs> that you did learn. Yeah. And one of my favorite examples, favorite jokes about um, uh, questioning the things that you were taught um, as a kid is um, the the metaphor of cutting the ends off the ham. Um, oh, this, yes. This uh, woman, she got married and she her first Thanksgiving came around and um, she was cooking a Thanksgiving dinner for um, for her and her husband. And she cut the two ends off of the ham and then was putting it in the oven. And her husband was like, why are you cutting the ends off the ham? And she's like, that's what you're supposed to do. You, you do that before you put it in the oven. And he's like, I've never seen that ever before. And so she um, was like, well, that's my, what my mom always did. 
And so she called her mom and she asked her like, hey, why do you cut the ends off the ham, um, you know, before you put it in the oven? And she's like, I don't know. That's just what my, my mom always did. So then um, she calls her grandma and she's like, hey, grandma, um, why do, do you cut the ends off your ham, um, you know, before you put it in? And her grandma says, well, I just never had a pan big enough for the ham. So I just cut the ends off so it would fit. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. that's like the perfect example of, of things that generational like even mm-hmm. uh, of things that you're just taught and learn and and if you never question it you end up just cutting the ends off a of ham yeah and and for no reason um but i wrote that more so i think because of my um i would say american religious upbringing mm-hmm. and learning as an adult that a lot of the adults in my life were wrong um yeah that they were doing their best they weren't purposefully right. well-intentioned yeah they were well-intentioned but the maybe the way that they were taught was wrong and then they passed that down to me and as i question those things and as i really seek out knowledge for myself and seek out who god is and not who you know religion is i find that my answers are different and what i feel like aligns more with the character of god mm-hmm. than what i was taught yeah. Um, the next one is number six. Freedom is bought through surrender, not war. Okay. Um, and so I would, that doesn't, I'm not talking about America. <laughs> uh, I'm talking about in personal life. Yeah. That freedom is is bought through surrendering yourself, mm-hmm. not through fighting, um, not through um, pushing and and crawling your way through things. It is it is truly freedom. Truly comes through paradoxically through surrendering yourself over to something greater than yourself, another person, whatever it is. Like if you're truly going to be letting, free, letting go of certain ideals, right? Letting yeah. go. Again, we've had an entire podcast conversation about that as well, um, and mm-hmm. we have also a lot more to get through. So um, <laughs> that. Is uh, freedom is bought through surrender, not war. Number seven is even strong opinions can change and will change. Um, so this was something I I have learned in my thirty years of life that I have gone through so many very very strong phases in my life you are very opinionated and but even even in just like the things that i believe the things that i love the things that i like that everything that i want to be in life has changed so much um going um you know just feeling like going through like three or four years of like being deep into something um and and like even something really small like um there were several years in a row that you wore a button up mm. and bow tie. Yes. Every single day. Every day of my life. Every day for like three years. I wore you were like a dress shirt and bow tie. Adamant about it. You can't even be bothered to do that for a special event now. You're like, nobody's going to tell me to dress up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? Like in, in musical taste and like mm-hmm. being deep into a musical taste and thinking that it's the best music in the world and nothing can beat it ever. I will never change. And then like mm-hmm. going just a few years later and I'm literal opposite music and yeah. and like don't even care to listen to yeah. anything that I ever listened you know, yeah. before. And so just I have learned to never say never. Mm-hmm. Like that, that should probably be Justin what it's Bieber called. Justin Bieber is correct. Yes, I should. That's probably what the, you know, it, it should actually say is never say never because, and I, just because I have changed so much in my life. And I even talked, whenever I talk in conversation to people and I'm talking about a strong feeling I have, I always end up talking about how, but that's just how I feel right now. Yeah. Like I, I, I I've think, learned too much in my life to say that this is forever. Yeah. You're definitely just as opinionated as you've always been. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're not too. But I know that, it, that, that it's, it's, yeah. uh, I'm, I hold my strong opinions loosely. Like we talked about in another episode, like With basically Michelle. all of it. Yeah. All of these, uh, these are all podcast yeah, episodes. <laughs> just each one of these is a different title of a podcast that we've already done. 
Um, but we've had these conversations yeah. before. Um, yeah, it's but true. Just, I hold my strong opinions loosely because I've had so many strong opinions in my life that are 100% different than what my opinions are now. Yeah. Which is why I, I, it's not, I don't think it's on the list here, but along with this is that just knowing that people change. Mm-hmm. allowing people the space to change allowing mm-hmm. myself the space to change just because i i think and do something now doesn't mean that's what i'm going to think and do later and yeah. same thing with anybody else in my life or anybody else that i am a part of it's like okay they that's the way they feel right now yeah or that or that's the way they felt then right and, which i think is the most important we yeah. have a really hard time understanding that somebody is different than the person they were when we met them yeah. you know and as I've been um, very transparent in the art that I'm creating, the I almost am like a lot of my art that I've made over the last two years is the art of transparency. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm well, not even I was about to say there's going to come a time when there's a lot of things or there is something that I have had strong opinions about in a video or mm-hmm. a podcast that people are going to be like, but you, you used to say that. It's like, yeah, I changed. Well, it's but like, the thing is, is it's only been um, not even two years yet. And I already have things like that. If right. you go to like, there are some earlier videos that right. like literally you go, I, like I listen to it. And I'm like, huh, that's funny. Like, yeah. I don't think that anymore. Yeah. Well, it's like Zadie Smith. Again, I think we talked about this twice. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we talked about it twice. <laughs> um, but she has a quote about the social internet in particular, but she says, I reserve my right to be wrong. Yeah. And it's all about that. It's the idea that like, I'm going to say something today that I don't mean in two years. And like, that's fine because we're all human beings on a journey. So yeah. um, number eight is your environment dictates your outcome more than your effort. Yeah. I think an environment is really important. Something we don't pay attention to enough. Effort matters. A hundred percent. But there is something to be said about your environment and how much it truly affects the outcome of what you are doing and who you are becoming. Yeah, I was. Gonna, I think that it, it plays more of a mental role than we assume it does. And so it's just like how they say like messy desk, messy mind, mm-hmm. clean desk, clean mind, you know, whatever. Um, I think that is a hundred percent true like and it it does it's a mental thing more than anything else and like the mental space that you clear up with having with creating an environment that works for you is so important to get things done and to feel good while doing it right you know you can probably get things done but like feel like trash afterwards you know And even bigger than just a workspace or even bigger than just like uh, the the micro level of, of, right. of that space. You know, there's you have to recognize that people who grow up in a impoverished scenario, mm-hmm. in an environment in which they are not truly allowed to thrive mm-hmm. versus people who live in a very privileged upbringing mm-hmm. and are allowed to thrive um, to like even more to the best of their ability can work and strive at the same level. But the person who is surrounded in the right environment Mm -hmm. for, for thriving is going to have a better outcome than somebody who's not. And so uh, not thinking, not allowing yourself to think that I have 100% made it here because of my effort. A hundred percent. And that your environment dictates Mm -hmm. a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also I think there's that. And then there is just all the side of what you were saying, like the people you surround yourself with and everything that comes around with you and how you are, who you become, the everything that the outcome of all of that is very, very much dictated by the environment in which you place yourself in. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Number nine is. I naturally command a room and that is a responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is something that I have more recently, like uh, put terminology around. Mm-hmm. So I've always known that, it, it, you know, if, if we're in a room of how many ever people, 
you know, just whether it's like five or 15 or whatever. And we're all just talking, blah, 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 just uh, hanging out. It's like, it's, it's a party, you know, whatever it yeah. is. Um, I will begin to talk to a couple people about something. And then I will notice that literally everybody stopped talking and now they're listening to me. And that, I don't know what it is. Like, it's not something that I try to do. It's not like I, I feel like I need to be somebody who's in the room and can make like, everybody listen to me. I am the person, the wisest <laughs> man in the room. Um, like nothing, like I have no thoughts right. that have anything to do with that. It's just something about who well you're a strong personality that's yeah. just the truth whatever it is all yeah. i know is that i've come to recognize that when i speak people listen mm -hmm. and whenever i am and because of that i need to recognize that that comes with the responsibility mm -hmm. and in the fact that like we've been talking about my art is is sharing process my art is sharing is being transparent that i can and do have very strong opinions and and or just the opinions that I have can come off very, very strong mm -hmm. um, or things that I am just processing through. I will tend to process in a, a strong way in that I, I don't it's, it's kind of like I'm talking about this thing and I don't even know if I truly believe this yet, but I'm talking it through to make sure that I do. I am challenging you and challenging myself at the same time through like mm -hmm. strong, challenging, you know, uh, I mean, language. this happened to us today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we got in an argument because you called the Lower East Side ugly and I felt like that was a little harsh of a word to use. And so then we had like a 20 minute argument about what you actually meant by that. <laughs> And then, yeah, and then finally at the end of it, I was like, okay, well, the architectural tone of the Lower East Side does not inspire me as much as the in, right, right, you know, right. architectural tone as something like Park Avenue or yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever. Downtown or yeah. whatever. Yeah, that was a whole thing. But, but it's, again, you were processing your feelings about it. Yes. And you used harsh language that I felt was inappropriate. <laughs> but really to the point and the thing that I've learned in learning is that because of that, I need to be know that I have a responsibility and I need to be careful that if I speak and people listen and I am sharing in my process, I need mm -hmm. to be clear and upfront that this is something I am processing and not right. something that you should take away. Right. You know, it's basically. Right. Like you shouldn't dilute your opinions by any right. means. You know, I don't. I don't think you should back away from yeah. your opinions because, I mean, that's who you are. Yeah. But to be upfront about like, I mean, this is what I think right now. Yeah. Is, yeah. yeah, it's mostly like, I don't, knowing that by sharing, by sharing what I'm sharing and if, if I, you know, as I've recognized that people, you know, tend to gravitate or to listen, that I don't want to lead somebody astray. Mm-hmm in what they should be doing for their own personal life. Right. By uh, sharing something or, yeah. or saying something, you know, whatever. Very definitive. Right. right? De yeah, like yeah. an indefinitive language by saying like, this is the way it is. And then that, that person takes that away and like, right. whatever. But I also think in that you should be careful not to lose your. Right. It's, it's a balance. Your strong opinions. But I, I think, think that's what does make you, you. Exactly. You know? Yes. Yeah. I think mostly it is, um, it's a, it's a piece of self-awareness of knowing the power of your language, the power yeah. of your words and the power of, of everything and all of that mm -hmm. and knowing that you have a responsibility in that. Right. Um, and not just flippantly. Exactly. Wielding it. Yeah. Number 10, social value is different than value. True. Um, so what that means is there are a lot of things that hold a lot of intrinsic social value, but not of a lot of intrinsic value. Um, so a prime example of this, um, if you are aware of the street brand Supreme, Supreme is, is I think the dictionary definition of something holding social value, but very little value. Mm -hmm. Um, the reason that people seek it out, the reason people stand in line for hours on end 
And the reason it resells for a significant amount of money is not because it holds any sort of intrinsic value. It is because it holds a lot of social value. And the social value is that if I wear this, you will think that I am cool. Mm -hmm. If I wear this, I am showing that I understand streetwear. I like whatever it is, like whatever image, whatever image. It's an image that you are trying to put out to the world and mostly to your social circle that that there is an in-group and you are putting a piece of armor on to show that you can hang with the in-group. Right. Um, and because just a t-shirt with a screen printed graphic on it mm-hmm. is not worth waiting Right. Three, yeah. four, or five hours in line, whatever it is. Yeah. It's not worth the $200 that you're buying it in resell because they have um, made a false scarcity to create the culture of which that you think that you have to stand in line. Right. And it have it to tricks spend. you into thinking that it's actually worth that. Because it's not actually scarce. It's false scarcity. Yeah. Because they can print as many as they want. But to right. keep the social value high, which ultimately is better for their business. Mm-hmm. They create false scarcity. So anyways, going on and on about Supreme specifically, but that concept of social value is in everything. Yes. That why why are you truly buying that car? Why are you mm-hmm. truly doing, you know, wearing that thing? Why are you um, truly, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Just like I have found in my life that, I like to break those that stuff down and figure out my ultimate why mm-hmm. to make sure that that why is not for social value. Yeah, like the motive should be for nothing but you. But it's actual as value, a person. right? Yeah, it's actual. It's value. not about not wearing Supreme. It's about understanding why you're even feeling like you should wear Supreme. Right. Yeah. And totally. and knowing that if it, you know on the resale market, it's a two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. That. Why do I feel this urge or this need or whatever to spend this $200 Yeah, to buy this thing that is, you know, was made for $5 maybe. Yeah. Resold retail for $25, $35, $45. Right. And is now being resold at $200. Why, in what way is it a smart decision for me to do that? Right. It all comes down to motives. It all comes down to that. And- now this this gets into not necessarily what I've learned, but more so into my opinion, <laughs> and that my opinion is that it is never worth it. Right, we've had extensive yes. conversations about this because, re- like, I don't see how. Basically, it's more so. I don't see how I mm-hmm. could spend that much money just because I loved it so much that I felt it was worth that money. Yeah, um, this is one of your very strong opinions. <laughs> yes. Anyways, don't need to get on a, um, a soapbox as we have uh, plenty more life lessons to learn, which is another one of my life lessons. Not every soapbox is worth dying on. <laughs> Number 11. Um, <laughs> this, oh, wow. This is um, apropos. <laughs> Number 11. Tone and words are different. Wow. And often tone is more important. I think I have taught you this one. Because I don't even know how many arguments we've had where you end up you're saying you end up saying something like, I'm not yelling at you or I don't I'm not saying that or whatever. And I look at you and I say, tone means everything. Yes. There's been like a few times, like I don't know, probably not that many times, but there's been a few times of burning my memory where you're like, you're screaming at me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I never even raised my voice. And I just say, tone. Your tone. My, my tone is screaming at you. Yeah. Tone is everything. It's also why you can't understand what a person is saying over text message. Right. You have no idea if they're actually angry or if if when they text back and they just say, sure, period. Mm-hmm. Are they being passive aggressive or right. <laughs> are they actually just sure? <laughs> right. And, you know, I guess if we get into the dynamics of that, of just like – uh Texting, email, that type of stuff is actually a terrible way to communicate feelings. It's only a way. Mm-hmm. It's only, it's a great way to communicate facts. Yes, and it's a great way to to um, uh, communicate plans, which I guess are facts. So yeah, the, the, if we break it, if we na- bring it all down mm-hmm. to facts and feelings, 
text conversations in whatever form are great for sharing facts, terrible for sharing feelings. Right. It's why I send uh, smiley faces with pretty right. much every single text message. I'm like, here's the thing. I'm happy about it. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's, I mean, that's true. Like we yeah. have to use like different emojis and different ways of, of, of your face says a, a lot. Yes. Well, did, with, don't they say like, what is it? 80, Some 70 sort of, yeah, or 80%? A, greater, a great percentage of your communication is nonverbal. Yeah. And whenever your communication on, you know, anyways, but that's yeah. not really what I'm, what I've. No, we're talking about. My life lesson yeah. is about in communication, not in the, you know, the words of. Yeah. I mean, words in, not matter. Not in electronic communication, in actual real life face-to-face communication. Yeah. Is that um, I have a resting bitch voice. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair to say. <laughs> um, in my my tone, yeah, of even even in the words, if you just listened to the words, mm-hmm. then I am encouraging you. I am, you know, whatever. But for I I am tone deaf <laughs> in some ways that I don't actually hear myself. Mm-hmm. That and I don't understand why you are getting upset about me saying something nice to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's. Um, <laughs> And so just I have learned the lesson mm-hmm. that tone is different than words. Right. Um, and that tone is generally sometimes, if not all the time, more important than words. Mm-hmm. Yet I'm still learning how to control that. Or even recognize it sometimes I feel like. Well, yeah, I I ultimately recognize it, but I don't know how to control it yet. Oh, okay. Like like all the time, like I, I can't unconsciously mm-hmm. control it. I, it's, it's not something that is intrinsic yet. Right, like you haven't trained yourself enough to where it's natural. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yes, tone is important. Number twelve. Um. I've never met a wise person who doesn't read. You know, I'm all about reading, so. <laughs> um, I think that whenever I was, when we first got married, 18 to 20, mm-hmm. I was in this, um, I was very stupid and I did not read books and I proudly would verbalize how much I didn't read and mm-hmm. that, and I would, you know, make, make these, um, uh, self-praising statements of, you know, how little I actually read and, you know, basically how all Which of is that. weird yeah. in itself. I mean, I don't know if it was, a, you know, a, a defense mechanism at that time or, you know, or what it was. What it was. Um, but I very much like was proud, like that I didn't read. Ha ha. Which is annoying. Um, right. <laughs> um, and then I, as I got older and we would, um, like I mentioned, I was on staff at a church, and so we would do a lot of personal growth things, and we would read books together to learn. And I was always so reluctant to read the book um, because it was like I didn't have a reading process. I, I'm a slow reader, and I just – it wasn't something I ever put true value mm-hmm. in my life. But as I have gotten older, as I have met more people, as I have studied more people – the wisest people in the world, the wisest people I have met, all are avid readers. Right. And so looking at that, looking at that example of other people in my life, I ultimately want to be wise. I ultimately want to um, act mm-hmm. in wisdom. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm going to emulate wisdom, then I need to read. So I began to read uh, more and more as I've gotten older to the point now where I feel that I want to create much more margin in my life for the act of reading Mm -hmm. um, and realizing that no wise person has ever said, I watch X number of hours of TV every day. Right. And that's how I, you know, gained my wisdom. Right. That is the opposite. Um, So, and no wise person has ever said, oh yeah, I gained my wisdom through um, scrolling social media X number of hours a day. Mm -hmm. Never. It is always, um, you know, through obviously experience, through travel and through reading. Mm -hmm. So number 13, we've kind of touched on this uh, previously, but 
I'm privileged and I can't escape it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's um, growing up, you don't ever, you don't realize your privilege, you know, yeah. until you become an adult after 25 sometime. <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. I had it pretty easy. <laughs> yes. But then also, I think for me, um, I never thought that being a white person mm-hmm. had an effect on my life or outcome. I never really mm-hmm. like said, you know, oh, yeah, you know, I had it easier in life because I'm white. Also, I never thought that being a man mm-hmm. was also in that same vein. And then to multiply that and be a white man, mm-hmm. then to multiply that and that I am a um, white straight man. Right. Then to multiply that <laughs> and that I'm a white straight Christian man in America, uh-huh. I am ultimately in the most privileged group right. in this country in that there is no adversity to anything that I am. Right. No, like there's no, I am in no way a minority in, um, you know, right. anything in my life experience. I am in no way, um, have ever been oppressed in anything that I am. Mm-hmm. And so just recognizing that I am very privileged. Yeah. Um, and knowing that as I recognize it, knowing that I can't escape, you know, yeah. from that privilege. But I need to know and I need to act upon the fact that I am in whatever ways that is. Yeah. Um, and knowing maybe... that others can benefit from right. my privilege. And I have a, a, a platform to fight for those uh, that are being oppressed. I have I am in the position of which I need to to reach across and actually pull people over and help in those ways right. because they are not being given a fair shot they are not being given the privilege of which i am operating in right and so it's learning compassion you right know. yeah and, and knowing that i think that um in whatever ways it's just recognizing that i'm able to sit here right now i'm able to live in new york city i'm able to do all of the things that have led me to this point ultimately can be funneled through that i have lived a life of privilege mm-hmm. um and again there's a responsibility in that yeah Number 14, hurt people, hurt people. That's true. Um, That is something that I have recognized and learned and been taught, I guess, over the years and just knowing. And this kind of comes back to, this is maybe a sub lesson in empathy. Yeah, I was going to say that it kind of teaches you not to excuse somebody else's behavior, but to find grace in the situation, which would be like empathy, you know? Right. And just, I think we all need to recognize that the people, I guess the majority of people mm-hmm. um, who spit out hate mm-hmm. and, and and hurt people and, and truly like they seek out like, and they're just hateful. Those people are ultimately acting out in that way because they have been hurt themselves or are currently being hurt themselves. Right. And so they are, they can be taking that and flipping it and and they feel so powerless in their own situation and in their own life that they need to assert power and hate over others in order for them to feel any semblance of togetherness control. and control or whatever and so or they just, could just be doing it so unconsciously like they just don't yeah, even recognize i, I mean I, again i if feel you're, like if you're in that spot i'm not yeah. I'm, I'm i'm not saying they recognize that's the way that's why they are doing it i think that yeah. those of us that are not in that spot and we are being affected by hateful people that it is good to know that their hate is probably coming from a place of hurt and that right. whenever they are hating a lot of times if you can, and I know this is very, 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 very hard, lean in to those people mm-hmm. and figure out what is on the other side of that, that ultimately they are just a broken person who needs love. Um, and I think yeah. that the reason I, I, you know, hurt people hurt people, the reason that is on the list is just recognizing and knowing that empathy. Yeah. I think also stopping the cycle. Yeah. Right. You don't 
jab back at them or jab at somebody else because of what they did to you, you know? Yeah. You, I, like, the, you can stop the cycle. Right. And I think that what I where I lost my words a second ago, and I think that the re, the hurt the people hurt people, the reason that's on the list is, is because of just recognizing that the things that they are doing are not personal to me. Right. That even if I choose not to lean in because, you know, so you can't, there's only so much time in the world. Yeah. And I can't lean into every well, single person only so who's much, hateful. Only so much you can accomplish in right. a certain so right. scenario. But it's just recognizing that they ulti- they are probably hurting you because they are broken. Um, and yeah. it hasn't, it's nothing personal, it has nothing to do with you. Um, which brings us to number 15, and that is negativity is toxic and infectious. Mm-hmm. I think this is a big lesson I learned in my early 20s, and I have many um, examples of this throughout my 20s in the fact that negative people are toxic and should be avoided at all cost. Um, and two, that if you don't protect yourself, you will be infected mm-hmm. with their negativity and it's so easy to be infected um if you're around it for very long at all it's much easier to i think i think maybe we all tend to have this baseline of negativity that we can jump into as a um as a place of mutual understanding like we can we can have a common enemy especially in a workplace scenario yeah in a lot of workplace pretty easy to to relate to coworkers, to be able to relate to coworkers. <laughs> it's like, oh, you don't like them either? Let's talk about it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And in those things, in that that gossip, that negativity, that just tearing other people down, it's so easy to join in with that and bond over your mutual negativity like- that that you may not even have felt negative you may not have even felt that before, mm-hmm. but because they are in this state, this emotional state of of bringing this negativity, you can actually bond mm-hmm. with them by bringing that negativity on yourself. But negativity only breeds more negativity and you leave that situation with those dark emotions with yeah. you and you take that to your next conversation, your next location and into your other relationships. And that's why negativity is toxic Mm -hmm. um, and it can easily like spread through a community if it is not snuffed out. Totally. It's also just an unfortunate um, foundation to build any relationship on. It's like not, it's not going to last at all. It's going to crumble pretty quick. And also if somebody's talking negatively about somebody else, who's to say like they won't do it about you too. So. I, yeah, I would say that it's a hundred percent chance. Yeah, so yeah, I definitely think like avoiding. And there's a difference between somebody having a bad day and somebody oh, yeah. being a negative person. Yeah. FYI, let's just throw that out there. Everyone has those days that is just yeah. like, well, I wish I had acted better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's not what we're talking about. Right. It's like the toxic negativity, and you can recognize it. Yeah, there's yeah. just some people that ultimately operate in negativity Mm -hmm. and this goes into um part of this life lesson is that you become the people who you hang out with yeah And and also i think along the same lines it really taught us how to build uh how to set boundaries yes that we had never really had to do before right yeah because there are some relationships that are ultimately negative that you can't get away from um, right. through in in the way that there is some sort of obligation there. There is some sort of familial tie, whatever it is. Or workplace. That, yeah, workplace, you know, whatever. All kinds of things. All kinds of things that you can't truly get away. Like you can't just run and like never see that person again. <laughs> yeah. But you can set boundaries and you can set the tone and you can be the person that you can say, okay, I recognize that this is a negative toxic relationship, but I can't escape it. And so whenever I am around it, I need to recognize that whenever this thing starts, whenever the, uh, the conversation turns, yeah, you can be the one to one, stop it. You can change it. You can walk away. Like, all of these different things because ultimately there is no 
for me, I guess I'm giving a lot. This is my life lesson. That ultimately, for me, there is no. I want. There's no place in my life for negativity. Yeah, which I think you also learn as you get older. Like, what is actually like worth your time as far as like what should you be investing in? Yeah, and like negative people is just not one of those. Right. Like you said, it may be something that, I mean, people are people, so it's not like you're going to escape negativity altogether but learning to set the boundaries of what negativity is and how much you allow is so important and like hugely life-changing yep and you only have time for so many relationships so they might as well be the good ones yep and i think that that is one of those things that is is one of those pillar life lessons that if you don't already know or if you have forgotten that you become who you hang out with. Mm -hmm. And if you look around and the people that you spend the most time with are not ultimately who you want to be, right? then you need to change your environment because ultimately your environment dictates your outcome. Right. Um, and so surrounding yourself with the right people is so important. Mm -hmm. I think you can also apply that to a workplace situation. If your workplace is... Um, toxic, mm -hmm. you should, you know, consider finding a different job. And I know that that sounds like that can be overwhelming and exhausting, but the workplace environment is not going to change. Right. <laughs> like if they've set the tone for toxic toxicity yeah. and negativity and like just all of that stuff, like it's not going to change and you shouldn't endure it yeah even, there are better jobs out there right and there and, are better people to work for and in that let's say you know you've worked up to this thing yeah and like you're making you know more money now right. and you have this position but ultimately really just thinking about it asking yourself the questions is it worth it yeah it, you know is it is a little bit more money but i am miserable right i hate coming to work every day I leave stressed out. I can't even have fun at home because I'm so stressed and thinking right. about everything that I. You're am, having to like detox from. <laughs> and taking home from this. Yeah. How much money is that actually worth? Right. If you were to go get a completely different job and yeah, maybe it is a lower paying job. Right. But you actually enjoy yourself and there is ultimate like growth and happiness every day and you get to come home and feel free how much is that actually worth yeah a whole freaking lot actually <laughs> and i would say that, that if i added another life lesson like that is worth more than money like, yeah in in i have done things you know i've worked and i've like created businesses and i've like strived for more money and that type of thing but, i mean i feel like i am even like a prime example of that you know i did work full-time mm -hmm. at a job and it was not great. <laughs> the environment was less than ideal, you know? Yeah. And eventually it killed me, so I left. Had to. I had no other option. Never looked back. Yep. Make significantly less money. <laughs> <laughs> like significantly less money. But, you know, I can smile. Yeah. <laughs> so. But it's ultimately, you, know, you weighed the cost of what of your stress and your happiness mm -hmm. and your you made the choice that it's it's worth the cost absolutely it was worth it. the cost and you know yeah. every season is different in some seasons you can't some season you can ultimately though i think that more people can than think that think they can't yes yes because you get into a rhythm and a routine and it's comfortable and it's nice making a mm -hmm. certain amount of dollars every month and like not having to worry about it and yep. whatever but and you've already adjusted your lifestyle to the new income which yeah. means that if you went to a different income you'd have to adjust your lifestyle yeah in, in other ways but then ultimately your mental well-being and your quality of life this is my life lesson um <laughs> is my mental well-being and my quality of life is more important to me than the lifestyle of which money could bring me yeah um that would be uh, I guess wrapped up at the end of, of <laughs> negativity is uh, toxic and infectious. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that is number 15. That is halfway through. Um, 
And so we do have 15 more, but what we're going to do is actually break this up into two podcasts. And so next week, um, come back for lessons uh, 16 through 30 of my life. Yeah. Uh, and we'll keep uh, talking about this, but um, don't want to make this a two hour show. Um, yeah. So we're going to end it um, here. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for joining me on this journey. Yeah. Um, for being a part of, of the last, uh, well, I guess the podcast now is has been a part of the last year of my 30 year journey. Mm-hmm. Um, we're actually coming yeah. up on one year of podcasting. Um, it's wild. At the, uh, I think it's the middle or end of March. I think it's um, the end of March. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, thank you guys for being here. And also thank you so much to, um, all of our patrons over at, uh, Jensen club, all of the members of the Jensen AV club. Um, if you want to help support, um, what we are doing, support us and creating this art and keeping consumerism, um, out of art, head over to Jensen club and, um, every single tier makes a difference yes and if you can't or if you don't want to contribute financially just listening to me right now makes a difference and liking sharing leaving a review on itunes all of that is a huge help and a major contributor to um I guess the the business success of 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 the podcast um discoverability yes um, so thank you guys for that. Um, join us next week as we uh, will continue on the 30 things I have learned in my 30 years. Bye.